Thank you, Rabbi Uri. I want to continue with this theme of hope and the theme from last week, strategic pathways and reasons for hope. Mishpacha, we need solid strategies for hope so that we can hold on to hope in this unstable and broken world. And with this in mind, I want to continue to focus on the source of our hope. What is the source? What's the ultimate source, the true source of our hope? As believers in Messiah Yeshua, we may all be able to say that God is the ultimate and true source of our hope, and that's good. It's good for us that we can say that, but let's make sure that we stay solid in that perspective and that we live according to that truth. If God is the ultimate source of our hope, I hope you know what that means. It means the United States of America is not the ultimate source of our hope. Neither is Israel, neither is Messianic Judaism, and the Democrats and Republicans are definitely not the ultimate source of our hope. So if God is the ultimate source of our hope, then we're not hopeless when the world around us changes. We're not hopeless when the United States of America changes or when Israel changes. Changes in the Messianic movement don't leave us hopeless. If the government or political parties change, it doesn't leave us hopeless. Now, I do think a good case can be made that the USA is a great place to live, and, and also the same for Israel. And we can make a solid case that Messianic Judaism is a great blessing for us. And it is true that politicians and government can enact policies, and they can take actions that are blessings for us. And on the other hand, we can also make a good case that our country can go down paths that bring real trouble to us. And so, yes, countries and governments and politicians can bring blessings, they can bring troubles. The Jews who lived in Germany last century can verify that. Most of us can too. Here's what I want to underline and what I want to emphasize. No matter what else happens, good or bad, God is still the ultimate source of our hope. And that's what Yeshua meant when he said, it's in John 14, verse 27, Mishpacha, would you put this scripture reference in the comments section, several of you, including the, the um, pull quote from the scriptures, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I love what the song says, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away, speaking about the peace of God. So stay focused, my friends, on this truth about God being our source. It will sustain you during times of instability, chaos, change, or testing. And I'm going to connect this week's Torah reading with last week's. Last week, we concluded the reading of Bereshit Genesis, and this week we start Shemot, Exodus. The book of Genesis ends with Egypt being a safe haven for the children of Israel, and the book of Exodus begins with Egypt becoming a place of persecution and slavery for the children of Israel. And though many years separate the end of Genesis from the beginning of Exodus, these two facts about Egypt are juxtaposed so that we can be aware that the place of safety and the place of blessing can become a place that is dangerous and trouble for us. Later, the prophet Ezekiel would say, it's Ezekiel 29, 16. Please put that in the comment section. He said this, Egypt will no longer be a source of confidence for the people of Israel, but will be a reminder of their sin in turning to her for help. Wow, that's important. And it's something that we can use in our own situation. We can draw a practical conclusion 
don't think that Egypt itself is the source of blessing, but that's not our temptation. We're not tempted by Egypt. We can extend this idea to our situation. Don't think that the United States of America is the source of blessing. Don't get me wrong. Egypt was a place of blessing. It was a place God used to bless the children of Israel, but it wasn't the source. God was still the source. In the same way, the USA has been a place of blessing for the Jewish people, but it isn't the source. God is the source. It's so important to hold on to the simple and foundational truth. God is the source of blessing, and that's why we have hope. We never want to give a country or a government or a political institution or a political system or an economic system the place that belongs to God. Let me say it again using almost the same words. We do not want to give a country or a government, a political institution, a political system, an economic system, the place that belongs to God. Now, here's the second lesson that I want to focus on. And when I say it, you're going to say, oh, that is so simple and obvious. Here it is. Only God is perfect and good, and only God is perfectly good. You may think it's so simple and obvious. I shouldn't take time to talk about it. I shouldn't waste your time. Well, if that's your feeling, let this be a refresher course, but pay attention because every one of us needs to be thinking about this because this is a foundational truth that allows us to go further with other important principles. And here's the next principle that's connected to it. Our heroes are not perfect and good. Our best leaders are not perfectly good, or we could say it this way, our favorites are not perfectly good. So we don't ever want to idealize our heroes. All of our heroes are flawed people. All of our best leaders are flawed. All of our favorites are flawed. That was true for Abraham. It was true for Moses. It was true for King David. Everywhere you look, the scriptures make it clear so that we don't idealize them. Idealize is an important word. It's to attach ideal qualities to people who are not ideal. I'll spell it for you. I-D-E-A-L-I-Z-E. The root word is ideal. And it has to do with acting as if people are perfect or without important flaws or minimizing their flaws. And this can lead to something else. It can put them in the place that really belongs to God. So our hope and trust in them becomes something that gets in the way of our hope and trust in God. When we idealize our favorites, we will be disappointed. When they fail us, put this in the comment section, when they fail us, because they will, we can become so disappointed and discouraged that it undermines all the faith in God that we had. When we idealize someone, we intertwine our faith in God with our faith in that person, and we end up with this mishmash of faith in God and faith in people. And so when the people fail, it harms our relationship with God. So that raises a question. How do we recognize if we have idealized our favorites and villainized our opponents? First, when we act like our guys can do no wrong, and our opponents 
can do no good. That's the first symptom. Second, when we minimize or excuse our guys when they do wrong, but we maximize or exaggerate when the other side does wrong. And related to this, when we use scriptures to convict our opponents, but we don't apply the same standard to our favorites. Any of those are behaviors that can indicate we are idealizing our favorites and they're villainizing our opponents. Now remember, only God is perfect and good. Our heroes, our favorites are not perfect and good. And now I want to go further into something that's going to require that you listen with a good open heart. Our opponents are not perfectly bad or perfectly evil. Even those who have been our enemies and our opponents can be the very ones that God chooses to use to do something important and good for us. The scriptures make it clear so that we can learn not to villainize and hate our enemies. It's important not to equate them with Satan, the adversary. And if you've been using that language and you've had it in your mind, oh, these opponents, they're like Satan, they're instruments of Satan, and that's how, how you do it, you will not be faithful ultimately to the teachings of Yeshua because Yeshua teaches us to love our enemies and bless those who trouble us. That's what he teaches us about our human enemies. He doesn't teach us to love our spiritual enemy, but all of our human enemies. Matthew 5, 44, Yeshua says this, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In Luke 6, 35, much the same, love your enemies and do good to them, the words of Yeshua. And Paul teaches the same to the Italian believers, Romans 12, 14. All of these references are good to put in the um, comment section for your reference, for other people's reference, especially for those who are watching later. And for those of you that want to go back and really study by going through this message again and looking at the scriptures carefully and slowly. Romans 12, 14, Paul says, bless those who persecute you, bless, do not curse. And that's consistent with Yeshua's teaching in Luke 6, 28. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. So let's remember this. We don't want to idealize our heroes and favorites, and we don't want to villainize our human opponents. Here's what all it means, all that means. When our heroes, our favorites are in power, they will still fail us. When our opponents are in power, they also will fail us. Also, even our heroes can become instruments of trouble for us. Even our opponents can become instruments of God's blessing, to which we can all say, oi, oi. Yeah, that's right, oi. You can write that in the comments right now, oi. I've got it in my notes, oi capital O, capital Y, exclamation point. Don't you wish that life were more simple than that? If only our favorites were totally good. If only our opponents were totally bad, life would be so much more simple. Or would it? Because then we could worship our heroes and worship our favorites and we could hate our enemies. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, with that, if we got what we wish, whew, it's a recipe for trouble because worshiping our heroes and hating our enemies separates us from the Lord. 
and the teachings of Yeshua. It's time to tone down the rhetoric, folks. And I'm talking to all of us. No matter what side you're on, it's time to tone down the rhetoric. If you're a Trumpista or a Bidenista, time for humility, folks. Let's humble ourselves. If you've idealized your favorite guy and you villainize the other guy, it's time for at least a minute of humility. Otherwise, and I want to say this really clearly because I, I want to say this to our mishpocha, but it really is a message for everyone, for every believer. It's really a message for the whole world. Your idealizing will become strongholds for you, spiritual strongholds, emotional and intellectual strongholds. You will become weak. You will have your strength sapped. That kind of idealizing and villainizing will rob you of God's peace and God's goodness. It will put you in bondage. It will take away your freedom. If you're concerned for a loss of freedom, this is one thing to pay attention to. You're idealizing your favorites and villainizing your opponents is a way that you lose freedom. You have control over that. It will lead to factions as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. Let me say that again. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. Paul writes this. Now, I say that each of you is saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Kepha. And then in, in the Greek, it says something that can be perhaps misunderstood. It's a little, it's a little bit complicated. Or I am of Christos, or I'm of Messiah. But it's a way of saying something like, I'm a Christopherian. I'm the one true uh, group that is with Messiah. It's an elitist exclusive way of speaking. Verse 13, Paul writes, is Messiah divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? This is Paul writing about Paul. Did I die for you? Were you baptized into my name? Paul was saying to the Corinthians, get a grip on yourself, folks. And we need to take that to heart for ourselves. Get a grip on ourselves. Get a grip on yourself, folks. Don't fall for the trap of factions and what the scriptures consider the party spirit. It's dangerous. It's destructive. Galatians 5.20 speaks of this. People become enemies and they fight. They become jealous, angry, and ambitious, and they separate into parties in groups. Isn't that a good description of what's actually happening right now? And it's touching the body of Messiah, it touches our mishpacha, it touches people everywhere. And this factious spirit, oh man, you got to get rid of it. You can't allow that to rule over you. Even, even if you give it a little place, it will bring great harm to you. So what to do? What to do? Well, take a minute and remember this. The name of the Lord is a high tower. The righteous run into him and they're lifted high above the fray. Proverbs 18.10 says it this way. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. They're lifted inaccessibly high. Proverbs 16.7 puts it this way. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even the man's enemies live 
at peace with him. I know this, that anyone, any politician, any leader, any one of your favorites, anyone you like, any one of your guys who says, I am your only hope, I can save you. That one is usurping the place of God. And don't be surprised if God in his jealousy pushes that person aside and allows that person to become insignificant in their influence over others. Until each of us humbles ourselves before God's mighty hand, we put ourselves in a place that's dangerous spiritually for us and for others who believe us. So what do we do? We want to make our hope strong by trusting in the Lord. When you put your trust in God, he'll cause peace between you and even your adversaries. Your hope will be strong. It will grow stronger when you honor God as the only true source of hope. All other sources are unstable and they will fail you. It's only a question of when and how much damage that failure causes in your life. Well, Mishpacha, I hope you take this to heart. I hope you take it seriously. It's a word that I think is important and necessary for us today. And if, if you put your trust in God, I can tell you this, you will be glad you did. If you put your trust in the other guys, including your favorites, you'll wish you hadn't. Well, we're going to end with Aaron's blessing. And first, I want to encourage you to consider standing with us financially. All the information is available on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. My wife is here with me. Hi, I am. Did Thank you, you for that message of hope. Did that and help wanna, you with your hope? Yes. And I just want to say hello to everyone. Shabbat Shalom. I hope it's a peaceful day for each of you and that we really settle in our hearts these messages of hope that uh, Rabbi Yuri and Rabbi David are bringing to us and that we stick together in Yeshua's name. Thank you, darling. I want to invite Rabbi Yuri and Rabbi Sanina um, to the Bema. You guys may already be there to hear you come. Okay, we're going to close with Aaron's blessing together and we'll do Hebrew and Russian and English because we need a triple blessing yes, today. We do. So um, Rabbi Yuri, how about a uh, Russian blessing? Yes, for sure. I'm ready. <laughs> Thank you, Rabbi David. <laughs> Let's pray. Да благослови тебя Господь и сохрани тебя. Да презрит на тебя Господь светлым лицом своим и помилуй тебя. Да обратит Господь лицо свое на тебя и даст тебе мир. In Hebrew, Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha yisa Adonai. May the Lord bless you. May he be the real source of blessing for you. And may the Lord protect you and be your shield. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you with all of his favor that we don't deserve. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. And so we can all say together, Amen. And Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Look forward to next Saturday, live from the sanctuary and live from home with a full tour service. Don't miss it. <laughs>